Welcome to the Verizon Harvest podcast. This is the Finger Lakes edition of the recap episodes. I am lucky to be joined today by Matt Doyle of Doyle Vineyard Management and Edward Miller of Glenora Wine Cellars, along to shepherd us through the regional perspective is Hans Walter Peterson of the Finger Lakes Grape Program. So thanks all of you for joining us. And I would ask you for a quick introduction to yourself beyond what I just said. So Matt, would you like to give a quick introduction to who you are? No problem. So it's Matt Doyle at Doyle Vineyard Management. We are uh, based on Cuca Lake on the west side. And we have uh, a couple different farms on Cuca Lake, and then we have a farm outside of Penyan, and then one on the on the east side of Seneca near Lodi. We also manage some small sites for people. Great. Thank you. Edward, would you like to do the same? Yeah, certainly. Thank you, Chris, and uh, thanks for having me on here. My name is Edward Miller. I'm a winemaker at Glenora Wine Cellars. Uh, we're on the south west side of Seneca Lake, just north of Watkins Glen. We're the oldest winery on Seneca Lake, and as such, we uh, source our fruit from a number of different growers from the three major finger lakes. So we have growers on Cayuga, Seneca, and Cuca, and it's just great for a, for a winemaker because I get to work with a lot of different fruit from a lot of different places. Great. Thank you. So I'll start with Edward. We'll reverse the order now. What will you remember most from 2023? Oh boy. Well, I mean, you know, certainly the uh, the elephant in the room is, of course, the the frost in the spring, May 18th frost. Um, so that was really once they set the the tone for the vintage. Uh, I felt like we were kind of playing catch up ever since that. You know, it was interesting, and I'd love to hear more of uh, Matt's perspective on this too. But it felt like we had met our needs about halfway through the summer, based on what all the estimates were, and then as soon as harvest started, the fruit just seem to disappear off the vine. The estimates across the board from all our growers were much higher than what was out there. And uh, so we were definitely jumping through some moves and playing some catch up to try to meet our grape needs once uh, harvest came around. I mean, luckily, we were able to source pretty much everything we needed. Again, I think having that kind of wide range of growers helps us. But yeah, it seemed like we all thought we were in a pretty good position and then had a bit of the rug pulled out from under us once harvest started. Matt, how do you do you feel similarly? Or let's start with what you remember most, and then you can kind of comment on harvest estimates and things like that and yields. Right. So weather obviously was a huge issue for us this year. The May 18th was the most serious one, obviously. And then we had another, a couple of our sites had a frost about two weeks earlier that kind of screwed up a couple of varieties back to back. So we had a couple of frosts, um, one that obviously was catastrophic for us. And on our farm specifically, like everything we had on Cuca seemed to be bothered pretty heavily with frost. And then the one outside of Penyon was not really affected at all. And then the two over in Lodi were, uh, one was pretty much 100% loss and the other one was anywhere from 30 to 50. So we had a broad range of how the damage affected us and it was very strange how that played out, but. We also had a few fairly major hail events on a few blocks that we had. So <laughs> where, you'd, where you'd have a decent crop of grapes on a certain block and then it just it took the leaves, took the petioles, everything right off them. So, and then the heat during harvest, we had two bouts of heat where the varieties were ripe at that time. Uh, one was very early and one was probably mid-season where we had 90 degrees. And the grapes that were ripe at that time just seemed to, I would say, melt on the vine. So it was, it was unfortunate for us to see <laughs> Well, a little bit we did have kind of kind of go away pretty quickly, but 
Yeah, and as far as estimates, I've done this a long time. We usually are pretty close on estimates, but we were so far off this year, it's embarrassing to talk about. So <laughs> we we really struggled with estimating this year because we, we did think after the frost that by June things did look – no, they were we knew they weren't going to be great, but they did look better after, you know, we started picking. We're like, well, we might as well just cut everything by a huge percentage, and hopefully we're close to that. But, yeah, it was – we were pretty off on estimates this year. Uh, and you weren't the only one by any means. It seems to be just across the across the entire industry. It, yeah, I imagine there's huge difficulties in estimating because I guess one other thing I'll say about this harvest was just inconsistency across everything, across how the frost affected different vineyards, the yields within vineyards, some of the numbers that I was seeing, the yams were incredibly inconsistent. So it was just, it was super hard to predict anything this harvest. Yes, yeah, so and we had a lot of varieties that had two crops on them, so that was very difficult too. So we had, you know, stuff that was getting downy mildew late that was like almost in almost in region when we were picking some other stuff. So that created a lot of issues too, because um, you just would walk through and you'd see some stuff that was totally ripe, ready to fall off, and other stuff that was almost totally green. So, and the vines' reaction to that stuff was strange too. So just very challenging year. So I mean, we're we're hearing both of your perspectives, which are relatively similar in in scope and in, in you know the variability the challenges the yield estimation the the frost everything like that i think that that's you're you're from different places in the finger lakes but you both have presences on on Seneca lake so so i think that we uh you know hans you can say that this is a regional issue right so people saw this across the finger lakes in greater or lesser extent of course but definitely throughout the region. Yeah, it was the impact of the May 18th freeze was kind of like Matt was saying, it was just it was all over the board. We had places that had, I went out in a couple of those vineyards, kind of in the Panyan area where Matt's one vineyard is that, that pretty much escaped it. And it was hard to find a leaf that was damaged. I mean, much less an entire shoot or an entire vine. And then there are other ones where, you know, two days after the frost, everything was just black. And there was nothing green. And so it was just the the thing that we talked a lot about with growers at our meetings and, and you know, during our farm visits and everything was just consistency was going to be really one of the biggest challenges. And it turned out to be that way. And I think that's, you know, yield estimate is an imperfect science or, or maybe art and science together. And some folks like Matt are, are, uh, are pretty good at it uh, more years than not. But this year just kind of threw multiple wrenches in, into it. And so, yeah, it was, I, I would say it was probably from the, from a vineyard standpoint, one of the more challenging years since I've been here, my 17 or 18 years here. And I know other growers um, that I was talking to were saying the same thing too. So it was, yeah, it was, wasn't an easy one this year. I think I'd agree too. We had strange numbers at harvest, like some of the stuff, like I could think of Marquette where they got frosted pretty heavily um so they had like almost like a secondary crop on them but they were so far behind where they normally would be on an average year that very strange to see numbers that they were getting on them bricks sugar all that stuff was just way off uh, what a normal year would be but that was that was just one variety I could think of but there were several of them like the Sean Eck and other ones that just had crazy numbers we've definitely been seeing yeah, some interesting, yeah. go ahead Edward you know pick it up yeah all right yeah. uh, I just wanted to jump on the uh, the numbers comment yeah I definitely noticed overall it seemed like kind of a 
a lower bricks, higher acid, lower pH year. And I would have to guess that's due to some extent to the second crop. Just to, you know, we probably had that mixed into sampling. And of course, when we were picking it and that I would think would push the numbers more in that direction. I didn't do any like vineyard trials where I, you know, marked off vines that weren't affected slash were affected. But I guess even in some vineyards that seemed pretty unaffected by the frost, it was still, you know, pretty high acid, low pH year. Yeah, I think that that's, I agree with that. And I were still crunching numbers and looking at data for the final summary issue of Raisin Harvest, the actual newsletter version. And I didn't feel initially like the numbers were all that different from last year when all was said and done, just because a lot of people extended their seasons and so picked a lot later than they did last year. And a lot of people picked pretty early in 2022. And so I was thinking that some of that ground is being made up or maybe even most of that ground and, and kind of a wishful thinking thing. But as I look at the, the charts, no, the sugars are, are lower <laughs> uh, pretty much. You know, the numbers will lower bricks and higher TAs, especially and lower pHs, as you're saying. So I, it, it looks like that was the case. And it, so many different reasons could be. It could be the frost. It could be one of the things I've been looking at, actually, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, Hans, is I was looking at some of the, the charts you sent me, looking at temperature and looking at rainfall. And one theory I'm currently toying with is when it was warm, it was wet. And when it was cool, it was dry. <laughs> or, you know, so you kind of have the pairs of, of characteristics you could have are not what you would prefer, I guess. Does that sound right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we had we had a few different kind of very distinct periods in the growing season. And especially early on, like it, April was super wet, but it was much warmer than normal. And that got some varieties getting out of dormancy a little bit sooner than they normally might. May was cool, but also dry. And then obviously got cold enough on, on the 18th to, to impact that. And then we went into a really wet period from kind of bloom through just before verasion where we had a lot of rain and so i think we saw part of the ripening equation i had i think we were just it wasn't a terribly warm year but we also were seeing berry size that was much larger than usual because we had so much rain so when we see that much rain during the berry growth first berry growth stage they tend to balloon up just because there's more cell division that goes on and so we were looking at this year's berry weights versus last year's, for example, as during during uh, the ripening process, 22 was a drier year, so berry size was smaller also. But when you're kind of in a marginal ripening year anyway, and then you've got these larger berries that kind of are just bigger buckets that you need to fill with sugar, it, it's harder for the vines to fill them. And so I think that's part of the reason that we that we saw um, maybe some of the some of the lower bricks numbers in a lot of our vineyards in the Finger Lakes is just we had bigger beers. I know they saw the same thing out in the Lake Erie region in, in Concords is that, you know, it wasn't a super ripening year in the first place just because it was cool. But then also when you've got these big berries that take more sugar in order to get to that, you know, 16 bricks, 20 bricks, whatever your target number is, it's just harder to get there when, when the berries are that much larger. We had an yeah. atypical dry harvest too, wouldn't you say? It was it was pretty dry all through harvest this year too. So I feel like yes. I had like, you know, pretty moderate normal summer and then very dry harvest, which is good. But I do think those bigger bucket berries had trouble ripening also because it was just so dry. They just didn't they didn't they didn't go any further. Yeah, it was 
it was a bit of a, that dryness is kind of a mixed bag, isn't it? I mean, we, mm -hmm. we love it because it doesn't promote bunch rots and that kind of stuff. And for the most part, I thought, I guess, I know we were doing some work on both sides of Seneca Lake with sour rot this year and it was there, but it wasn't, it wasn't too bad for the most part. And kind of once, especially once you got into October, whatever was there just kind of lingered. It didn't really spread that much. That was my observation, at least. Um, I don't know what you saw, Matt, but same, same thing. Yeah. So it's, it's nice from that standpoint that the, that the rot kind of got held back because of the dry conditions, but also, especially if you're on your, you know, shallower soil or things like that, then just the vines are starting to struggle with water and that impacts ripening as well. All right. So we've talked about all the challenges we've, we've dwelled on our misfortune and everything like that, but I don't think all in all, it's, it's a year where we're just going to write it off or whatever. I think, I do think that there were some pretty good results out there, some pretty good fruit out there, some pretty nice things to see. So Edward, what are some, some wines you're excited about? What are some grapes you thought were, you know, you're, you're promising? Yeah, certainly. No. And I mean, I'm glad you pointed that out because despite all the, uh, the doom and gloom that we've been going over, I actually really do like the way these wines are turning out. You know, we seemed, even though we had some of those lower bricks, some of the riper, ripeness characteristics are definitely there. I have some reasons that I'm just loving, especially off of that northeast side of Seneca and uh, kind of more northern west side of Cayuga, that region that didn't get hit by the, the frost so hard, are some really lovely wines coming out of there. Uh, I've got a Sauvignon Blanc that I'm really excited about. And the Cab Franc is tasting just delicious. It's got just the right amount of varietal characteristic so it's got just a little bit of the pyrazine but it's not overwhelming it says it's cab franc but it doesn't mack you in the face with it so uh, you know and the concentration of the reds has been pretty nice so far maybe not hugely tannic but great color and a uh, nice density and mouthfeel the one uh, thing that I, I i do want to mention because i'm interested if you guys have noticed it at all was actually about the yams this year and i was seeing some wildly low ammonias when I was running yams, and then pretty normal amino nitrogens. I mean, I'm talking single digit ammonias on some, some lots. And I'm not sure if your system, if you, if you parse those apart or if you run it all as one, but it was, uh, again, not, uh, not on everything, but I've never seen anything quite like it. And so the fermentation seemed to progress a little bit more slowly this year in general. I mean, of course, I'm feeding them and trying to hit nutrition marks, but you know, they didn't seem to really just charge through like they have in years past. You know, uh, again, to go back to it, I'm loving the way the wines are turning out, actually. But another interesting challenge from this year that I'd love to get your, your view on. I have to go back and look at We do have those. We have the ammonias from Raisin Harvest. So I'll have to look and see what, what, we, what we had. I, didn't, I don't remember anything jumping off the page from, a, from that kind of perspective. I will say I've stopped being surprised or expecting anything in terms of trends or predictability or yeah. any kind of rational or predictable behavior from Yans. Like that's, that's mm. what I've learned about Yan is you can't know anything <laughs> about Yan until you measure it, you measure it. That's the number and like same grape or same site or whatever from last year. And they just don't move in any kind of predictable behavior that we can, that we can really predict <clears throat> that we can, you know, that we can, Hell, so it's it's a challenge, but I'll, I'll look at them more and, and and try to get back to you and see what you know, see if if how those ammonias do look. And it, it is an interesting theory on the, the the inorganic nitrogen, which might 
be like the, the turbo boost for the fermentations that lacking might lead to slower fermentations. I know I did hear from at least one winemaker who said that she was saying that the fermentations were chugging along kind of consistently this year. They weren't necessarily super fast or, any, or super slow, but they just seemed to be like every day making measurable progress, which is one of those things that feels normal, but maybe isn't as normal as we wish mm -hmm. it was. So yeah, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, look, we'll follow up with that. Were yeah, certainly. Grapes? And they're, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the fermentations are all, all finishing, but yeah, I just think if I were to, to graph out all the fermentation curves, it'd probably be a bit flatter than mm -hmm. uh, in other years. Yeah. Yeah, let's have to see if we can find any data to to look at that. Yeah, so uh, and while we're still talking about things we liked, Matt, I wanted to get back to you on any grapes that you sent off that were, you know, you were pleasantly surprised by, or you just really liked, or things things bright spots in the in the grapes that you picked this year. Well, one, one bright spot for us is markets. I mean, we definitely have the with the lack of grapes in the Finger Lakes last couple of years. The markets have have changed and. Prices for most varieties and like, you know, Concord is a baseline. They, they've gone up considerably. So that's a great thing for growers. And hopefully that kind of stays that, to that path. But that's, lack of grapes is not good, but at least the stuff that we do have is um, valuable <laughs> and marketable. So, but yeah, uh, the rest of the grapes, I don't know. I don't have a lot. I mean, the, the vinifera we grow, I think for the most part, everything we had was pretty good, pretty high quality, you know, higher sugars on, on those we had and again low yields but they did seem to have i would think they're going to make some pretty good wines on on those varieties our, our native and hybrid stuff the yields were lower and it's kind of hard to really tell what a huge bright spot for any of those would be <laughs> so got it yeah i the uh the grape prices this year jump my my program my predecessor started this before i came so we've got finger lakes prices going back to before 2000 and I went back and looked after we got this year's price lists from from uh, buyers and this by far were some of the biggest jumps that we've seen from year to year this year and kind of like Matt said it's 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 kind of an unfortunate reason that's that we've had two short crops in in a year a number of growers have had two short crops in a year so I mean that's not a that's not a great thing but like Matt said, the, the grapes that were there are, have a greater value this year. So that was that was one positive that that uh, came out about it. And any any grapes we have that like for Welch's that have a sugar minimum, like for the Finger Lakes, we had no trouble this year. We were, we were all picking our Concords in the first week of them opening. So for the Western New York guys, it was it was hard for them this year. As Han said, to get you know ripeness level for them to do that. But yeah, we had on on the native and hybrid stuff the sugar was pretty good pretty quick on most varieties this year it's good to hear yeah so different versions of bright spots and things to look right. at and, and uh, silver linings yeah. for all this this question i i started with everybody and it hasn't had a really long list of answers but is there anything you will miss from 2023 you look back and say you know 2023 it was this part of it was easy or optimal or convenient or Anything like that? I would say back to what I said a few minutes ago. The dry harvest is, as a grower, is like one of the best things ever because you mm -hmm. it's it just takes so many challenges out of picking grapes as far as harvesters and tractors and trucks getting stuck. Like just having it know knowing it dry and then you know as far as picking it helps us because like a lot of the high end stuff if it's wet if the leaves are wet or the grapes are wet we you know if we have a plan to pick we have to stop. So that was not as much of an issue this year. So we were able to stay pretty efficient with picking and. 
um, that just takes a lot of variability out of the whole equation. So that, that part was nice for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I would second that from the winery's perspective, I guess one of the nice things was, you know, things ripened kind of within their windows and we had a little bit of space in between. It was actually felt like a really slow start to the harvest. Um, you know, we'd bring in a thing or two and, uh, you know, some early Chardonnay, maybe some, some hybrids, but then would it kind of be almost waiting around for a while. Um, so it definitely, uh, a computer growers perspective, well, also in the winery, just because you're, there's not enough time to get everything done. And so I guess the pace of this harvest was, um, was definitely a silver lining of it. Pace and dryness. Those are good. Those are good answers. Those are as good answers as anybody's given me this year. So that's, that's good, good points for creativity. Uh, and what was definitely a challenging year. And I, this one is maybe easier. Uh, what won't you miss from 2023? May 18th. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. I know, you know, expecting 10 tons of grapes and getting two. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. As the May 18th is a game changer, so that was, you know, we to, up to that point, we're looking at what we thought was going to be a pretty big crop across the board for all varieties, and then after that, it was like huh, so much for that. <laughs> so, um, we also had some late season downy that popped in that was sort of hard to manage during harvest, and some of the stuff that had to hang later. So, yeah, this year was full of challenges, no, no doubt about it. And I think the thing that this year is kind of pointing out and I mean every every year is that's one of the things that we kind of both love and hate about the Finger Lakes is that every year is different throws new things at us but uh, I think this year kind of had some illustrations of what could be ahead of us from a climate change perspective you know certainly you know if we have warmer springs that gets us you know to bud break earlier potentially and we had an earlier bud break this year than normal, not super early, but, you know, that makes us more vulnerable to things like what happened in May 18th. We get into, Matt mentioned, you know, we had a we had a heat spike right around Labor Day. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was early September, a day or two in, in the 90s when we hadn't been nearly that hot. And we saw basically some bad sunburn show up, even though kind of, even though in under conditions that you know, or leaves have been pulled and all this kind of things that we that we do to avoid that kind of stuff. And I think it points to some places where we need to work with growers to kind of figure out ways to adapt, adapt vineyard practices to account for the potential of some of these kinds of things. You know, there's all sorts of different options that that you can you can look at. And you know, there's there's a lot of work that would need to be done around some of that kind of stuff. But and some of it you just can't avoid. I mean it's just the weather is in charge in a lot of ways, but I just think it's, a, I think it was one of those years that just kind of points out some of the things that climate change is going to throw at us can make growing grapes in this part of the world harder. Yeah. That's, that's a sobering thought. If this is a new, new normal, right? That's a phrase that I hate and a label I would hate to apply to this year. But as you point out, resilience and Options and flexibility may be the most essential traits going forward because the challenges are probably no no none of the models that we look at show fewer challenges coming unfortunately and Matt Spaccarelli in the Hudson Valley edition of this was talking about how the frosts are trending later and bud break is trending earlier you know in his part of the world and and that's that's not a good combination right and as you saw yeah the seasons 
are kind of getting longer. That's his word for the 2023 season was long mm-hmm. because we did have that very early warm weather that started the season. And then most people were doing this in November too. And so there's just a lot more opportunities for headaches in that in these longer stretches of time. And I should say, I mean, there's, there are some things, there are some ways that potentially our region benefits from climate change. I mean, if we're going to have longer growing seasons, that helps us with potential, you know, ripening of, of new varieties and things like that. I mean, there's, there's, there's some things that potentially are, that we benefit from on that, on that, from that aspect as well. But I mean, it's, it's also, there's, there's definitely good and bad with it is all. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, I've, so this was my third vintage since I've been back in the area and all three have been wildly different. So I think that's uh, kind of indicative of maybe where we're going, but you know, every region, every growing region, I think is going to face their own slate of challenges with uh, a changing climate and trying to adapt to it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that we have plenty of water up here versus some areas in the world. So you know, challenges aren't, there's certainly something to work on. They're not necessarily the end of the world though, because we're going to get really good at growing grapes and making wine, despite all these challenges. You know, I think that the, the toolkit's going to expand for the growers and the winemakers, you know, other, some other places I've worked, honestly, it's easy to make wine. So uh, here in the Finger Lakes, uh, we might have to work harder, but we get really good at it. And we haven't even talked about smoke in this whole time. Do we, Need to talk about smoke What's or not? Every, okay, we can skip the smoke. It was there. <laughs> Everybody saw it. We talked about it. We've done it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any parting thoughts, Matt? I don't think so. I mean, we're just, we, you know, we had a pretty poor year last year, 2022, with the drought. And then this year was not great either. So we're hoping for a bright spot going forward. You know, 21 was a huge year, probably too big. And then we just, as, Edward said it'd be nice to have a little bit more leveling out and not be so uh, up and down. But yeah, we we as a grower, all the growers would like to have some somewhat of a decent, consistent year across the board with all varieties <laughs> next year. Fair enough. Let's let's uh, I'll I'll sign up for that. I don't know where we where we sign for that, but we can hope. Yeah, I've never seen I've never seen a boring growing season, but I think we would all appreciate one. <laughs> I don't know that one exists, but it would be nice. Well said. Well said. Yes. Well, thanks again to Edward Miller from Glenora Wine Cellars, Matt Doyle from Doyle Vineyard Management, Hans Walter Peterson from the Finger Lakes Grape Program. Appreciate your thoughts. Best wishes for the holiday season and for the wines that are progressing and maturing and for a 2024 growing season that is more boring. All right. So, <laughs> thanks. Again. All right. Cheers to that. All right. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks, Chris. Bye.